Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets are pins have character. From deep down in the bowels of the USS Cerritos. Welcome listeners, cadets, junior officers, and all-around non-coms to the podcast that barely goes where any podcast has gone before. What kind of trouble did Boimler, Mariner, Tendy, and Rutherford find themselves into this week in the latest episode called Veritas? Well, let's find out. My name is Dan Davidson, and this is Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Each week, we're here to break down the latest Lower Decks episode, and we always have a lot of fun doing it. You know, we said it before, and we'll say it again, we consider ourselves the finest waste extraction team on the USS Cerritos, Mm -hmm. because when we aren't cleaning it up, we are dishing it out. (sighs) And when I say we, I can't do it alone. For the past seven weeks, these three wonderful people have joined me for wonderful discussions, so I figured why not keep them on for a few more weeks before kicking them to the curb. That's wow. right. I said it. <laughs> First up, she is one of the hosts on Rewind, the Star Trek podcast, right here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. She allegedly, uh, she allegedly does impersonations, and she's rumored to be the very glue that keeps this entire podcast network together. Her name is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, hi. That's hi. all I'm saying. Hi. Hello. Yeah. That's some great clue. Thanks, Sarah. Next up. Stop sniffing it, Sam. <laughs> God, give her a uh, break. Well, if, you know, you just heard his voice. If, if Sarah is the glue that keeps things together, this guy is the hydrochloric acid trying to eat through everything and cause massive chaos. But it's always in good fun, right, Casey? He is Casey Shafsky. Hi, Casey Shafsky. What I'm the hissing heck was... at you. That's my hiss. There's the. What does hissing have to do? That's any... the it's best thing that's going to come out of his mouth this whole show. Oh, my God. You can say that again. And you just heard his voice, too. Rounding out the amazing <laughs> and fun panel is a guy who will be celebrating his birthday in just a number of days, 51 years young. Let's all oh. give him something really special, everyone, like a Veron T disruptor, perhaps set on overload. Yeah, I'm just kidding, of course. This podcast network would be nothing without this guy. He is my good friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. Happy early birthday, buddy. He is Bill Smith. How you doing, man? I'm another year older, and it's debatable whether I'm another year wiser, buddy. Thank you so much for that introduction. Very debatable. Yeah, and it's incredibly debatable. Uh, but I'm still showing up here, so at least the checks are still coming in. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, he gets a check. All right. Um, anyway, uh, it's great to have you all here. It's going to be a fun discussion. I can tell already. We people who are not on Patreon, you need to get on Patreon right now because the pre-recording discussion <laughs> is the thing of legends. Um, so yeah. So let's talk Veritas episode eight. We only have a couple weeks to go. Let's rank it right off the bat. Name rank. 
Chekhov. Pavel. Rank. Admiral. We're going to start with Casey. What did you think, man? I like this episode quite a bit. I gave it three and a half pepperonis. Pepperonis. Okay. I, now I want pizza. Bill, right. what did you get? Um, I'm going to be the opposite spectrum of this. This is my least favorite episode of the season. Um, and I give it one pip for reasons really? which I will detail later on. I am looking forward to hearing that. That is very interesting. Sarah, what say you? Where are you on? You on Bill's side or you on Casey's side? I'm, I'm giving it a 3.9. Oh, okay. It's my we had favorite so nine. far. Ah! Okay. I just, nothing's going to get a four ever because I'm just that person. Okay. But pretty, pretty close to perfect <laughs> in my opinion. Well, completely throwing that out the window. This was my favorite episode of the season by far. I loved yeah. every single aspect of this episode. And I'm going full captain, people. Ooh. I'm giving it a four pips for this week's episode of Veritas. I watched this three times, and each time I loved it more than the previous time. So, oh, I can't wait to talk about it. It was just an awesome episode. I, I can just drop off then. Yeah, goodbye. No, I want to know. <laughs> before, before you drop off, Bill, I want you to do me a favor, and then you can just do whatever the hell you want. Uh, where can listeners go to uh, regale us with what they remembered about the events in Veritas? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Well, on both Twitter and Facebook, you can find us at Discovering Trek. And in both of those places, you can leave us comments, questions, or even tell us what you remember about your clandestine Starfleet operations. And of course, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button on the right-hand side. Please do remember, though, that any comments you could leave us could be taken by Casey Shafsky and, and used for nefarious purposes, not the least of which is on a future episode of Discovering Trackdown. <laughs> That's a little scary. But thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, everyone, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode eight of Star Trek Lower Decks, stop listening right now. Sign up on CBS All Access and or wherever you watch it, because I really don't think there's anywhere else you can watch it. But anyway, uh, watch the episode. Head back on over to Discovering Trek. Otherwise, you run the risk of finding out plot developments and character details for Veritas. You've been warned. It's time for the best recap in the galaxy. It's the Six Sentence Recap, starring the one and only Bill Smith. Six sentences, Bill, starting now. Go. And action. You have been warned. Um, so there's a lot that happens in this episode, so I'm going to try to do it justice in just six sentences. But spoiler alert, we may have some bonus entries. Ex post facto, just so you know. So all righty, ready? Here we go. The Lower Deckers are brought to what looks like an alien court to testify to the events that preceded this hearing. The senior officers are being held in some sort of suspension beam or in the Phantom Zone or whatever. They each recall the events of Stardate 57791 from their own unique perspective. The events paint a picture of a top-secret mission, and it looks like it comes down to Boimler to set the record straight and save the crew by telling them they don't know a damn thing. Turns out, it wasn't a trial, but a celebration. Huh? The senior officers 
realize they need to give the lower deckers more details. And that pretty much turns out to be a disaster. Now for the exclusive bonus seventh sentence what? on Discovering Trek. Who books a party venue for 22 minutes? Seriously. I do. I've, I'm not surprised. And then late. Wait, hold the phone. A first ever eighth sentence on Discovering Trek. Get out. I know. I'll, no, I will get out. I'll really leave right now. Out. Okay. But okay. you want sentence number eight first, and it's this. Is Rutherford's operating system based on iTunes? Because it's just as terrible a software application. <laughs> eight sentences, folks. Eight sentences. That was fantastic. Those were eight epic was sentences. It? I think I have no words. I don't even. Know I'm, what I'm to not say. surprised. I, I have none either. <laughs> dazzled. I'm just dazzled. Got enough for eight sentences. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, Dan. Come on. Sorry. Stick to the script. <laughs> oh God, we have a script. <laughs> uh, we we do now. I'm in charge. I'm the glue. I'm holding this together. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. Yes, and so moving right along. You've read about him in September's issue of Good Housekeeping, Housekeeping, and we're so lucky to have him here today. It's time for Casey's Cornea Corner, where we're spoiled rotten with all the fine details this show has to offer and that Casey has successfully found for us, which is shocking in itself. Ladies and germs, Casey Shasky. Would you look at that? Oh my gosh, thank you for that spontaneous introduction. That was amazing. Spontaneous <laughs> Oh, oh my god this this week was like an overload of references everywhere so i'm i am not going to try and go through all of them because i had three pages worth of stuff <laughs> and then it's just a recitation and we need some resuscitation from it so let's just get into it many undiscovered country references callback type of things we get lots of klingon reds going on chanting we get the, you know, coming up in the combo medieval times Chuck E. Cheese party <laughs> chamber, which was all dark and moody like Bill after one too many at STLV. Allegedly. No, it's true. <laughs> God, you're so emo. Okay, we get another one-eyed alien voiced by the wonderful Kurtwood Smith, oh, yeah. who we know is Federation president and father of dumbass Eric. Sorry, you have to bleep that maybe. No, I won't. Okay, that's cool. Um, and then I'm just kind of wondering, is this becoming Laura Deck's thing? The one-eyed aliens? You know, Star Wars and Marvel had all, let's chop off arms and hands, and now we're getting multiple one-eyed aliens on Lower Decks. Oh, man. We get a mention of stellar cartography, which is kind of cool, because it's very sarcastic. <laughs> Maps? Hey, Grandpa. I don't think so. Ransom with the salt vampire. Thanks, Dr. McCoy. Uh, giant Spock from TAS. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which was pretty cool. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> we get another Mariner reference of how much she just digs Khan, and she wanted to make sure there was no confusion on uh, who was the biggest badass in the galaxy, so is, uh, was, or ever will be. Because what? Boimler digs who? Rogadanar. Who? And I went, who? Again? Morehouse was oh. dancing in the sheets on that I one. gotta look that sucker up. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Uh, we get a shout out to Sub Rosa and Beverly doing the ghost nasty. We got those TNG covert uniforms again. <laughs> I, love, I love the delayed response with Dan. 
Sarah's so excited about the Subrosa reference. <laughs> Love it. That episode is a, a triumph. That's a great episode to rewind to. <laughs> Painful. <laughs> oh, man. The covert unis come up again. And so, I mean, I, my question is, was the mission to plant the roulette seeds successful? We'll never know. Maybe oh. season two. Who knows? Rutherford sings an EPS capacitor song. So I was kind of thinking, are they referencing themselves? Because Boimler had his little song to be doing the boring work and make it not quite as dreadful. Oh, making and drinking wine is brought up quite often with Picard in multiple places. And Joseph Sisko's Creole restaurant. I mean, even though Mariner doesn't want to be busted out of Starfleet and have to hang on Earth, I would, I would die for a Creole restaurant mm-hmm. to be able to totally. go in and sit down right now and just chow. Oh, that'd down. be amazing. Mm. Let's go. Oh, man, I got uh, Danubian flesh-eating bacteria will wreak <laughs> havoc on your junk. <laughs> so thanks, Dr. Phlox, I guess. Okay, we get a crazy Ivan reference. Yes, like, oh, yes we did. Hunt, hunt for Red October. Yep. We verify our range to target one Ping, Ping only. only. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, we get a pool of angry eels. So I kind of said, like, you know, pick an early Bond film, anyone that you want. Anyone. Or maybe f- float some and jet some from The Little Mermaid. Or even 1977's The Deep. Thank Ooh. you, Jacqueline Bissett, for that t-shirt. Thank you. Woo! Uh, the Gorn <laughs> look very spiffy at their weddings. But I guess their hearing is crap because they can't hear a crashed shuttle behind them. Huh? But they can hear Rutherford go, Gorn wedding? What? <laughs> is it? Huh? Exactly. Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> then, like, the, the, the most awesomeness was the museum. And that was oh. a cornucopia of cornea delights. Ooh. Oh. We get a long-range Vulcan shuttle from TMP. We get a vocal, hey, return of baby bear. We get a Ferengi phaser on the Vulcan shuttle. So I guess maybe that's a Vulcan phaser now. I don't know. Oh, man. Headbands to hide that you don't have Vulcan ears. We get a Klingon D7 battlecruiser, the TMP cargo worker B, the 2001 monolith, which I loved that it was just front and center there, just <laughs> sitting there. No explanation, just there. None. Beautiful. Uh, TMP guard helmets and chest protectors, a Jem'Hadar fighter, a Ferengi shuttle, a TOS shuttle, movie era shuttle, the TOS Romulan Bird of Prey, the Vulcan Lander, maybe the T-Planahoth, I don't know, and a TOS Tholian ship. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we had a call back to the dreadful Uhura fan dance <laughs> from Trek 5. Ugh. Romulans diss the Remans again. Again. And Poor of Remans. course, just in the little wrap up here, John Delancey back as Q. Which was kind of cool. It was very cool. That's what I got, y'all. I mean, there's other stuff that was there, but it was just, it was just a lot. I paused multiple scenes to write stuff down in. That was pretty awesome, man. Nicely done. Lots of good stuff. I have to say a huge call out this week, not just because Kurtwood Smith is back, but because Ken Mitchell is back in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we all love Ken Mitchell. He is amazing, and uh, it was good to see him get to do something uh, as far as voice work for Lower Decks. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Go- it was kind of fun going through the credits at the end and, and seeing it. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back and, and try and guess. 
and he voiced. We'll get we'll get to that more in deck forty seven. But I love during that section, which which Ken was in, how they had the eyes redacted. But <laughs> yeah. somebody pointed up on Twitter if you had the um, uh, what's it called when you have the word showing at the bottom of the screen um, subtitles. If, the subtitles on. Yeah. They actually had the word redacted in place where the person who would be saying their name was, which was kind of cool. That's that's smartness right there, people. I like the Romulan Romu, what was it? Romu bleep Lynn. <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> we might be doing that later on in deck forty seven and we might be bleeping some stuff out. Or maybe in the quote section. Who knows? Oh man. I hope this is a swearing episode right on. <laughs> that's all I got, you guys. That's all you got? That was fantastic, man. You hit almost everything. I want more. One of the things I loved with the Gorn wedding is you saw the Vasquez rocks <laughs> yes, at, I, above I, the wedding. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice I, reference. I, man, there was so many references in that. I had that, and it was just too much because I'm like going, well, they, they like to videotape their weddings. That true. You know, they look spiffy as hell. I mean, that was not a 7-Eleven <laughs> Right? Wow. Nicely done, sir. As always, there's a lot to take in this episode, and you handle it like a pro, which is a surprise to all of us. (laughs) Uh, No comment. I had something, but nope, no, I'm going to do it. Okay. Folks, and I say folks all the time, because in California, we use the word folks. Totally. Crazy. As always, we want to take this time to thank our dear friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. They have been with Discovering Trek from the very start, and we are honored to have such a wonderful partnership with a great bunch of people. You got that right, Casey. And they are people that are constantly hard at work to bring you all kinds of new pins, like all the time. They never stop. They are like busy little Borg drones, but with a better personality, except for Joe, who's just the worst. And I did not write that, FYI. Ouch. (laughs) Wow, Sarah, that was a sick burn. You're not wrong, though. Anyway, um, as Sarah said, Fansets is always working on new pins. And as October 1st is just around the corner, you can look forward to all these wonderful beauties coming to Fansets.com. For DC Comics, the Anti-Monitor as a 4-inch oversized pin because, well, his ego is a bit oversized, don't you think? And also Robot Man from Doom Patrol. You Ultraman fans will love the fact that Bemular will be available on October 1st. And is it is it just me, or does Bemular remind you of a blue, methed-out Godzilla, Casey? Uh, y- yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the newest pinup pin of the lovely Liesl Van Helsing is also coming out that day. And for Star Trek fans, get your hands on these newest pins. Bryce from Star Trek Discovery. Hoshi for the Women of Trek collection. And starting on October 1st, you can finally pre-order the Voyager 25th Anniversary Collector Set. Now, you thought I was done, didn't you? But no, I'm not. No, sorry. You're going to still listen to me. I am so happy to announce that finally, the series I've been waiting for, specifically for my wife, Sue, the Scooby-Doo collection makes its debut on October 1st. Scooby, Daphne, and Freddy will be available on October 1, while Shaggy, Velma, and the Mystery Machine will be released on October 15th. But Fansets will have a special whole set of six available on October 1st if you don't want to wait for the 15th. Bill, wake up. It's your oh, turn. Sorry, I didn't think you were ever going to stop, Dana. Believe me, I was praying that you would, because even though I love hearing about all the new Fansets gear, the sound of your voice just decalcifies my entire, entire <laughs> spinal column. 
<laughs> I mean, ringing it in, buddy. Wow, I, way, to, wow. way to Captain Pike him. Bre- brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> Seriously, though, that's a lot of pins. And as we said earlier, Fansets is constantly working on adding new pins because they're fans just like you, and they know that you love to collect the coolest swag available. And we have a great offer just for Discovering Trek listeners. If you want to save 15% off your entire order at Fansets.com, this is anything at Fansets, not just Star Trek stuff. Just enter the special discount code LOWERDECKS at checkout. That's LOWERDECKS in all capital letters with no spaces for some great savings. And don't forget that if you spend more than 30 bucks, you're going to get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. And according to Sarah, they're people. <laughs> they're real people. <laughs> Except for Joe. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who that is, and I felt bad saying that. That was not my words. Exactly. Those, those were the I'm words sure of you're sweet. lovely. Those were the words of Dan Davidson. Dan's not wrong. <laughs> oh, Joe, I like you. Send something free. Thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. In this Trek world that could be a version of the Matrix, if Sarah offers you a choice between a red pill or a blue pill, Take the red pill to reveal Veritas. She is the discovering truck combo of Trinity and Neo. She is Neonity? Neonity? I don't know how to say that, but it's time for Sarah's Ensign's Log. What is happening? (laughs) You've lost control. That's what's happening. (laughs) You invited us. We're taking the reins, baby. (laughs) Wow. I'm out. <laughs> There's nothing to say after that. That's it. The quote of the night is that, what he just said. Space, a final frontier. Because it was no longer Starfleet. So this is a huge victory for the good guys. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullies and I don't like threats. And I don't like you. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name Enterprise. Hit it. Okay. Um, I loved this episode. It was probably one of my favorites so far. And there was, I know you said this earlier, so many opportunities for me to just start busting out the swear words left, right, and center. But I'm being very mindful. And so I didn't select anything that has curse words in it. So you know what? You get get to... you know, relax on that edit button there. Um, I actually didn't know what to choose because there was a lot of actual like meaningful kind of things spoken, especially near the end when they're kind of, you know, breaking down what's happened and the miscommunication, classic miscommunication. Um, So here's to some of my favorite lines and I know you guys will have some too. I hope I didn't steal them all. Um, Mariner, a classic question that is worth asking, I think, on a daily basis. What's the difference between witnessing and just looking at something? (laughs) Next time I'm in a room surrounded by detectives, I'm going to ask that. Um, Rutherford's implant was hilarious the entire time. The worst technology I think I've seen in Star Trek ever because that was painful and my favorite line was when it said updating Klingon font why would you need that so subtle that was was so good um 
I think I have a new favorite villain, bad guy thing I want to hate more than anything in the whole world. That would be that soccer ball that was created by Q. <laughs> What's humanity all about? It's puzzle time. It's puzzle time. Nope. <laughs> I was like horrified. <laughs> it was, but it was funny. Um, I loved the doctor when she was on the wrong ship and she just barks out. They all look the same. <laughs> to me, I was like, yes, yes, they do. Everybody's talking about like, you know, Casey's cornea corner about the different ships. I'm like, I just see ships, and it could be from any movie of a science fiction nature ever made. I don't see the difference. Um, and a couple more that I liked was um, actually my favorite would be Mariner with, Hey, everybody, we got Captain Clarity over here, yeah. which kind of sums up like this show in a nutshell. We're going to try and do better and then snap. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, this yeah. is this is Ceratos. We're not going to do that. This is Lower Decks. And then, of course, you can't have Q and not quote Q when he talks about Picard, his favorite guy. He's no fun. He's always quoting Shakespeare. He's always making wine. <laughs> he sounds jealous if you ask me. So Great end to the episode. It was a great end to the episode. So those are my favorite lines. I hope you guys have some more because there were tons. Somebody, please start the cursing. I got, I got a couple, but I have a question, which we could do in Deck 47, but I'm going to bring it up now because you just mentioned the quote. He's he's always quoting Shakespeare. He's always making wine. And there were a couple references to Picard and winemaking, mm. but this episode takes place years before Picard steps down and goes back to the vineyard. So I'm wondering what that's all about. Was there a little error in terms of continuity, or can Q see into the future type of thing? Q can be... Uh, anywhere at any time, That's he's omnipotent. What I was hoping you'd say. Yep. He he is infinite, um, as established in Next Generation. He can go anywhere, do anything, do and be in any time. So he probably already knows what's happening with Picard. Okay, honestly, that's what I was kind of hoping that you would say, Bill, because I know you're a lot smarter than me. Um, so that's I appreciate true. that. Well, oh, was, um, was that my birthday Dan? gift? Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah happy <laughs> birthday, <laughs> Dan. Before you move on, though, because yeah. I, I took it maybe that's Picard making some Kardashian prison wine. In the, in the toilet. What are you talking about? Get out of here. Oh, my God. You're Carl. so fired. I need to go um, make some toilet wine right now I to, to I, listen oh, to uh, I, I, I tried uh, to do kind of an impersonation of Kurt Wood Smith at the intro of the show, and I failed miserably. Yes. But I Yo, loved no idea. his Stardate 57791.1. Yeah. <laughs> I just loved yeah. how he did that. Kurt Woodsmith is awesome. My favorite quote of the week was Roga Danar, get the f out of my face. <laughs> that was just that was just awesome. Who is you that? can never you can never get tired of Mariner giving somebody a hard time. I really love that. And uh, also um, when uh, Rutherford was on the um, hull of the cloaked bird of prey. And I'm I'm having a mind blank right now about the officer that was with him, the chief engineer. Billups. Yeah. yeah. Billups is like, Mark Twain has a gun, which was a great <laughs> reference uh, to uh, Time's Arrow. And yeah. then the better one of the two yes. quotes was, Tasha, a garbage bag's behind you. I just, that was so great <laughs> reference. Great <laughs> reference to Armist. So, oh, I yeah, I loved that. I love those those little references. That's one of the things I think is so great about Lower Decks is they throw these little subtle things at you and uh, mm -hmm. fans just eat it up like me. So, uh, oh, God, who should I go to, Bill or Casey? Who's the better of the two? Oh, you uh, know. Let's go with Bill. 
Oh, thank you. I, I only F have you. <laughs> I, I only have one. It's probably the one that made me laugh the loudest this week, and it was Doctor Taana. You know when they release Kurtwood Smith from his his uh, I don't oh my god his, his coffin his transport device whatever the hell it was she said yeah you know, it's a party I'm gonna have to go shave beep bleep um, and everybody laughs and the best part is is that her mouth is still moving and you can imagine yeah. what she's saying and it's it's hilarious I'm not gonna lie it that's is. probably my favorite quote of the week awesome thanks for chipping in pal Casey. <laughs> oh man, I so one like with Rutherford's just straight out a prison. No way, man. This is a dungeon. <laughs> it's like no, it's not bad. It's worse than you think it is. <laughs> it's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> uh, for personal reasons, Boimler saying I have sensitive corneas. <laughs> See, I yeah, need I my thought segment. you'd like that. Ah, visions of the future, baby. And then Mariner. I love this. We aren't dealing with any of your cute bullshit. I was like, that's right. <laughs> Not today. That's how you deal with a galactic narcissist. And you Q didn't even know what to do. Right. You make <laughs> them indifferent. You walk past them. They can't stand it. It kills their ego. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Drumhead. So many... So, drumhead, yes. yes. That was another good drumhead. one right there. Look at that. Yeah. You were trying to not do a quote, but you did a quote, and that's why we love you. <laughs> I love you, too. So we have another week of no Geordie Visor. Let's just get that yeah. right out of the way right now. Oh. Very disappointing. I, I miss yep. it now. Yeah, yeah I, I really miss it a lot. And uh, as we uh, descend into the decon chamber and rub ourselves down with all of that oil <laughs> to... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm done. I've loaded the appropriate decon gel into compartment B. Um, I didn't really have a lot this week with the decon chamber. Yeah. All I had was the eel pool. And that wasn't really even... Anything, it was just water yeah. with eels in it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm just getting, you know, slow in my old age Probably, and, yes. and missed anything else. But maybe the Gorn, when they were chewing on Rutherford, there may have been some spittle coming out here and there. But other than that, it was a pretty weak decon chamber episode. What do you think, Sarah? I think we might have a standing item that could technically work. And it was brought up again in this episode. There's cat hair everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> How so is that, cat that- hair goopy? But if you're goopy and then that's added to it, it's that's, just that's, that's it's just not good. The and they had to use sticky stuff, sticky roller to clean it up. I mean, it's just a it thing goopy? you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> Damn goopy, David. You. Sarah's helping. And that's all we have for the decon chamber this week. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was not very, very good at all. Decon well, chamber might go away next season. It's I'm just your saying. section, dude. I know. That's why it might go away. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots to talk about because I, I can't wait to hear what Bill has to say this week. Uh, it's time for us to get in that turbo lift, head all the way down to the lowest of the lower decks to discuss some of the important elements in this week's episode in Deck 47, sponsored by our dear friends over at Science Division, Bill. They're the makers of the galaxy's first interactive triple that you can control with your very own smartphone. These brand new triples will be an incredible addition to your Star Trek collection, and you can find out more at sciencediv.com. Science Division, trouble's never been this fun, Dan. <laughs> They're not dangerous, are they, Bill? Go to hell. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're going to start with you, man, because everyone was given this high ranks, and you surprised us all by saying that this was your least favorite episode of the season. So uh, let's kick it off with you. Why do you think that? And uh, and give us some examples, buddy. Well, I'm going to preface this going back to to what I've said multiple times. 
Um, we had a commenter on YouTube listening to the episode last week who, who thought we were a little unnecessarily harsh with, with some aspects of the episode. And I, I reminded them, look, we liked the episode overall. Uh, overall, I like Lower Decks. I think mm-hmm. it's a fantastic series. I think it's a great addition to the Star Trek pantheon of series. Agreed. I just am not a fan of this episode because we've reached a point now, eight episodes in, where um, a story needs to be able to stand alone on its own and not rely on more fan service than we've had in three or four episodes put together. Um, and that's really, I think, the the flaw of this episode. There's not a single scene that doesn't involve some kind of fan service. And I thought that the 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 party venue angle was incredibly weak. I thought yes. it made it too much like uh, an animated series you'd see on some other channel that had nothing to do with Star Trek. Um, if this is supposed to be Star Trek and it's supposed to fit in canon, then it shouldn't it shouldn't take a Voyager shortcut and wrap it up in the last two minutes of an episode with something that's kind of lame. So uh, as much as I love Lower Decks, um, this is my least favorite episode of the season. Okay. Totally cool. At the champion rule, everyone's yep, favorite is absolutely. someone's least favorite, and that's cool. Casey, you were raising your hand as if you had something intelligent to say. I'm kind of oh. guessing that's not the case, but we'll go with you anyway. You don't have to guess about that. You're absolutely <laughs> correct that there's nothing intelligent coming. But but I wanted to ask Bill, do you think what everything that you're saying, do you think this is possibly an issue of production order versus airing order? I don't. Uh, and okay. that's only because okay. um, I don't think there's a single scene in here that doesn't involve some kind of callback. Yeah. Um, if they're going to tell a story about hijacking a, an antique bird of prey from a museum to go on a secret mission, then make that the story. Um, it shouldn't be uh, you know, a, a faux undiscovered country trial that's not a trial, even though everything about it looks like a trial. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, was it a funny punchline at the end when it was a party venue? Yeah, it was funny. I just didn't like it. Um, but I think there was enough here. They actually could have told a substantive 22 minute story and still had fun with it, uh, without making it essentially, uh, a series of, you know, uh, instead of making it a matter of perspective, you know, like the, the episode where they put Riker on trial for murdering Dr. Abgar. Um, so that's, that's just the way I feel. I can agree with that. I'll tell you what. I've been the person uh, on this panel all season long saying that I like how Lower Decks has done callbacks in a subtle way mm-hmm. to make them enjoyable. I will agree with you, Bill. This episode was in-your-face callbacks, and I was surprised that I loved that as much as I did. Every single one of those callbacks, whether it be the Star Trek Six trial-looking aspect of the whole thing – all the way up through the Gorn and the Romulan Bird of Prey and yep. all those awesome ships in the in the museum. I didn't expect that I would love it as much as I did because I like the subtle callbacks. But this in-your-face callbacks episode was something that was what made it favorite for me. And for me, I give credit to the writing staff for doing the in-your-faces in a way that, for at least me, it really worked, and I really, really enjoyed it. Now, I will agree with you 100%. If I have to ding the episode for anything, even though I gave it four pips, the party venue thing was very lame, very weak. The whole idea of what looked like the judge up ahead was just a guy getting ready for his his, uh, daughter's one or son's 100th birthday birthday party. It was like, okay, that's... All right, that seems like it, you said it perfectly, and I, I appreciate what you said. 
it was a weak Voyager one wrap up. And yeah. I, I totally agree with you. But for me, all of those callbacks, even the little subtle things, like the way that that map that they got uh, from the, um, uh, yeah. the insectoid-looking yeah. uh, yes. race with the with the with the Romulan neutral zone and everything, I thought was great. I loved the Romulan bird of prey being scanned by the Diedrichs class <laughs> Romulan warbirds from TNG. All of those things, man, just made it absolute Star Trek heaven for me, and that's why I considered it my favorite episode. That's cool. Sarah, um, I. I loved it because I found this to be a classic Trek in the sense that it had a really good hidden message and learning opportunity in it. I mean, we're in a world right now where people want information about what's happening. It's COVID. Uh It's upcoming elections. It's all these things where people aren't really getting the information that they want or they're not getting the information that's correct. And this episode's full story is like, this is what can happen when you don't share information with everybody that's part of the team. And I think that because it was a bit of a serious note, they threw in a few more callbacks for the humor element of it. But whether it was the fact that they didn't know it was a party or they didn't know why they were there or Tendi's whole storyline about not knowing what she was even supposed to be doing. She was just the cleaner. Um, (laughs) That's what I liked about it. And we saw them all in these crazy scenarios. And in the end, Boimler, who was really bugging me in the beginning of the episode, (laughs) really stood up and, and said what needed to be said and it made his character grow. And so there was just so many little things that I was like, kind of given like little like yes or laughing. And I just found myself interacting more with this episode than I had any other episode. So it's just how we all view it we each yeah. have our different ways yeah the whole idea of this race that kurtwood smith was the primary um speaker which gotta give kudos to kurtwood he is just so fantastic in everything yes. he does yeah. him thinking that humans uh, are always supposed to know everything that's going on for boimler to show the fact that the senior crew makes mistakes they don't always have control of the situation and then for the senior staff to actually appreciate what he said when they gave them all commendations was something that really stood out for me as well it, it, it shows that and but of course then they threw the whole you know it's classified you don't need to know mm-hmm. this thing at the end to make it kind of a little a little uh, uh, a little humorous but i really like that aspect that everybody all eight or nine, depending on how many people in the senior staff you want to include, all came together in that moment. I thought was really, spe- I thought it was a really special moment for the entire series. Myself. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else find that the aliens kind of reminded them of the ones from Galaxy Quest? Oh, absolutely! Yes, one hundred percent. That was another thing I was going to bring up, but I left to the side. It was like, oh, this is Galaxy Quest. Uh, <laughs> any chance to talk about Galaxy Quest? I'll take it. <laughs> That's always a good thing. And the other thing that was funny was kind of the um, what we talked about it a little bit earlier when Tana came on the ship that wasn't the Cerritos, <laughs> but everybody kind of looked. I thought that was a really nice mix up of um, the Doctor Crusher episode where she's in the warp bubble. Remember me um, and parallels the Wharf mm. episode yep. where it's different. Mm. And I just thought that the the very subtle changes that they made to each member of the bridge staff. My favorite one being Ransom. He looked exactly the same except he had a little tiny mustache and some uh, some eyebrows uh, of some kind. <laughs> I thought that was really good. And of course, um, Shax was wearing lipstick and had like a little bouffant going, but that's, you know, that's just... Anyway. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Uh, so I can totally appreciate where you're coming from, Bill. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I like the fact that you don't have any problems saying that it was your least favorite uh, when the three of us think it's one of our favorites. But that's what Star Trek's all about. Because as you said in one of your tweets today, I saw something. Somebody tweeted out about Enterprise, and they asked for the pros and cons. And your cons was blank, and your pros was, it's Star Trek. Yep. There you go. And that's at the end of the day, that, that's really what this is about. I mean, Star Trek, I'm going to watch it. 
It's kind of like when we do the Theater Skip, it's on, on Trek Geeks. Um, you know, it was a fun exercise to go through a season of a TV show. You know, the, the, the not really the joke, but the punchline is we're going to watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a, a fun way to look at these episodes. If we were doing a Theater Skip It for this one, I would label this one as a Skip It, even though I know Ouch. that I'm just going to watch it next time I watch through the series. Damn right you are. Hey. <laughs> we only got two episodes left, people. Oh, my gosh. So oh, yeah. this is a perfect opportunity for me to ask Casey, Casey, what's coming up next week? Oh, okay. So I'm not talking about this week? Yeah, he should next probably week. talk about this week first. Wow. <laughs> what a Richard. God. Casey, what did you? Casey. Bill, I, Sarah, I love you. <laughs> Casey, what did you think about this week? Oh, thank you for a caring host of the uh, podcast. Mute Dan. Now, no. immediately. <laughs> I dug it because it reminded me of being a heist film, a Tarantino film. The characters are self-aware of how important or not important that they are in Starfleet. Um, each person has a you know a little portion of the puzzle to put everything together. And that we see... Maybe Starfleet isn't always the best of the best, but they're doing the best that they possibly can with their abilities. You know, like you said, Boimler brings it out, and I think it's like, here's, here's what this entire series is about, and no, no BS in it here. And it's just, yeah, the lower deckers are not important enough to know everything. They're cleaning the cat hair. They're, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're rotating things, and I was like going... Right, okay, we bring it up. And not every ship, like they say, is going to be the Enterprise. But but the Cerritos still got this amazingly cool covert operation, so they can't be pure crap. So it, it's just like for each one of us, it's like, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, and we're not going to be 100% all the time. That's just not actual reality. Things are going to be different. Um and, you know, I just kept looking at that, and I, I kept thinking, we've got so many characters who Tendi, once again, shows she's a complete badass, and it comes out of nowhere. And we see what a dip-dingle Ransom is, because they're on the same ship, and he doesn't recognize her at all. They've had interactions before, so, you know, we get a whole lot. Now, would you like me to talk about what's happening next week? Yeah, exclusive bastard, you. I'm going to clean all that up. Don't you worry. I didn't realize that you hadn't done your part yet. Don't don't clean it up. Leave it as it is. This is life. This is how life is. <laughs> we try our best. Things happen. Casey no is the Cerritos of Discovering Trek. That's really <laughs> yes, the to. least important host of Discovering Trek. I really appreciate oh, that, Bill. Thank well. you. <laughs> Peace out. So, Lo- loved you for eight weeks. <laughs> Screw off. <laughs> um. So, Casey, after that amazing breakdown of the episode in Deck 47. Why don't you tell us what's coming up next week in Episode 9? We only have two episodes left. Oh, I don't have to deal with you for two more episodes. Excellent. Long-range scan of planet complete. Next time on Discovering Trek, we are getting close to the end of the season, unfortunately. So, with Episode 9 titled Crisis Point, Mariner repurposes Boimler's holodeck program to cast herself as the villain in a Lower Decks-style movie. Sounds like fun! Please stop. Please stop. Wow. Until then, remember Dan hates me. 
That, but you can also subscribe <laughs> to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere fine podcasts are found. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Don't do it. Get access to the unedited, oh God, don't do it, audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. We'd like to take a moment to thank the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We're so grateful for their support. Ken Tripp, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, Kyle Castillo, Jazz Bradshaw, Kimberly Hartman, Christina Werther, Steph Lesque, Jim McMahon, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. If you would like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at $1 a month. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, isn't it? That's it? So unbelievable. Get out. That's nothing. We will. Just give us a chance. For more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other podcasts from the Trek Geeks podcast network. In addition to Rewind with Sarah and Haley, there's Politrex, Five-Year Mission, the podcast, and the brand new Infinite Trek providing even more discussion on Star Trek Lower Decks every Tuesday. Plus, don't forget that Discovering Trek will break down every episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season starting October 19th. To find all our podcasts and where you can download them, visit trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. Wow, I'm really sad to say this is going to be wrapping it up for the week. You know, much like uh, Lower Decks Episode 8 Veritas, this was my favorite Discovering Trek discussion of the season, people. Aww. Yeah. I mean, I'm on cloud nine regarding this episode. I absolutely loved it on so many levels, and and we want to hear what everyone else out there thinks about it. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and tell us what you thought. And yeah, as I do every week, I can't thank my great co-hosts, Sarah, Casey, and Bill for all they do. Try. If I were gonna, I'm going to try. If I were going to be caught suspended in a beam of energy while my fate was in the balance, I would want these three to be right there in the beam with me. God, uh, I'm asleep already. I, yeah, you thought I was going to say something else uh, that you'd say to me. No, that's not going to happen. In any event, I really look forward to the next time we all get together. Shout into the horn of Kandar. Kandor. I should say. And discuss episode nine, Crisis Point. And until next week, never stop discovering or reading copy correctly. Dan has a furry triple. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.